Good morning. So my name is Gracie, and I am a hypocrite. Hi. (laughs) Just wanted to clear the air and make sure we're all on the same page. Um, This is safe space, is it not? Should be. Um, uh, Let's see. I yell at people from my car when they shift lanes too late, um, but I also sometimes join, you know, go to the lane too late too. Um, I, let's see, I would get really mad at my classmates who partied and didn't just took the drinking age as a suggestion, um, but I myself took the speed limit as a suggestion. So um, let's see, what else? I have very little patience for people who ask questions, but uh, I myself also have some questions that please don't get mad at me for asking questions. Um, I pretend that I've got it all together a lot of the times, and I really have a lot of doubts about myself. I am a hypocrite. So in this series, Asking for a Friend, it's all questions that people, the top questions that people are searching, putting into Google about faith, about God, about the church. And this is one of them, that people are wondering, why is there hypocrisy in the church? Well, let's see, hypocrite, the word hypocrite, it comes from the Greek word hypocrites, which is basically the same word. Um, so this word that in Greek, it was originally used to describe theater actors. So it was all about, and then it got, you know, used, the meaning and usage got um, spread beyond that. But that tells us that hypocrite really means to pretend to be somebody that you're not. So I have good news for you because only people who have ever pretended to be somebody that they're not are hypocrites. Only people who have ever pretended to have it all together are hypocrites. Only people who have ever walked into the church smiling with their kids only to have argued five minutes ago about the shoes and the outfit that the kids were wearing, only those people are hypocrites. Only those people who smile and wave at the person who inside you have not forgiven for what they've done, only those people are hypocrites. Only people who have called themselves Christians and not loved everybody they've ever encountered perfectly are hypocrites. Only people like me are hypocrites. Only imperfect people are hypocrites. The question is why is there so much hypocrisy in the church? Well, there's hypocrisy in the church because the church is made up of people like me and you. (laughs) We are part of the problem, but it's okay. We'll, get, we'll work through it together, it's okay. I'm not gonna beat up on you. But um, it made me think of this quote from one of my favorite um, writers of, in our, our time right now, um, very eloquent thought leader. Um, Taylor Swift said, 
It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. So Jesus spoke a couple of times about hypocrites. Um, and it's mostly in the book of Matthew. And uh, in Matthew, Jesus uses the word hypocrite 15 times. And all but one of those instances is Jesus talking to the Pharisees and the scribes, the, the religious leaders of the day. And Jesus' words for the Pharisees and the scribes, not all that warm and fuzzy. They're actually pretty harsh. And Scripture as you'll discover and as you know, is full of examples of people who we are called to imitate, who are great examples of faith. But I would argue probably more people in scripture are people who we are not supposed to imitate and who we can learn from. Um, and it's harder for us to see ourselves in those people. We'd rather see them as the examples of, well, it's a good thing I never do that. Um, but but I think Jesus' words for us today, um, it may, even though it's hard, I think it will be helpful for us to try to see ourselves in the people that we're not supposed to imitate. So in Matthew chapter 23, this is where the bulk of Jesus' talk about hypocrites is found. Jesus has a whole series of woes to the Pharisees and scribes. If in your Bibles, a lot of them have the titles over each chapter, different sections, and it's woe to the scribes and Pharisees is the title of this section. So starting in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to, this, and to his disciples, the scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. Ooh. So, Jesus acknowledges the Pharisees' teaching is sound. They're teaching about God's law. It's not wrong. They're teaching the word of God. But he <laughs> calls them out pretty harshly and says, yeah, what they teach is okay, but not what they do. Because they don't, they don't do what they teach. They don't practice what they teach. They pretend to be faithful to the law. They pretend to uphold these things that they're telling other people to do. But he says that's, that's not what they do. What Jesus is saying is that they place these strict expectations about God's law. And there's a whole bunch of laws, about 600 different laws. And they place these expectations on people but they don't extend grace. They don't show people the grace that God has for them. It's that withholding of God's grace that I think is what makes Jesus the most frustrated. It's not the law. It's that there's no grace 
in what they're teaching. And I don't know about you, but there are certainly plenty of people I can think of who I don't think deserve God's grace, who I think I could withhold God's grace from them. I don't think they deserve it. Um, I could think of them right now. Don't even have to, I could name them right now. Um, And there's plenty of situations where I think, I don't think God's grace should apply to that. I think they deserve that. I think they need to learn from that. The question was why is there so much hypocrisy in the church? Now, I would, I, I would think it's a safe bet to say that 99% of us are not doing these things on purpose. We don't mean to withhold God's grace from other people. We don't mean to pretend to be somebody that we're not. We don't set out to do that as our goal of the day. We do our best, just like I think the Pharisees and scribes are doing their best to teach God's law and be faithful. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't need to be called out, that it doesn't need to be corrected. And I'll spare you most of Jesus' woes to the hypocritical Pharisees. I mean, he goes on and on and on about all the ways the Pharisees are hypocrites. And so I'm not going to read all seven of those. But in verse 23, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, but have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Aren't you glad you weren't a Pharisee standing there? I would not want to be called out in front of everybody seven times. Jesus says that the Pharisees are just, they're so strict about these laws that are just not as important. They're just less significant, almost tangential to the main things that the law is about. And it's like they're, they're, tithe, they're so strict about tithing their smallest herbs and spices. Jesus says, You're, you care so much about that. You care so much about the music that we sing at worship. You care so much about the, the translation that the Bible, that this Bible study leader uses or that thing that the pastor said that one time that you don't agree with or deciding who is and who is not welcome based on things that really aren't any of our business. Jesus said, you care about those things. You're straining out a gnat, but you're swallowing a camel. You've you've forgotten the main part of why the laws were there in the first place. These tiny things you care about, but you've neglected the weightiest part of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. He's not saying that upholding those smaller parts of the law 
aren't important, that those have no, that they weren't written for a reason, but he's saying they are less important than justice and mercy and faith. He's saying that sometimes we get caught up in, in the, the rules, following the rules, the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law, which is to uphold God's mercy and justice and faith. Just a chapter before in Matthew 22, I imagine the same crowds are hearing these words that Jesus says when he answers one of the Pharisees' questions. One of the Pharisees asks him, teacher, which commandment of the law is the greatest? I think you know this. He said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, Jesus says, hangs all the law and prophets. On these two commandments hang all the laws about what is clean to eat and when you should practice Sabbath and what, how you should treat people and how you should treat your workers and when you should work. Everything, Jesus says, hangs off of those two commandments. How you interpret the law should be based off of that, not letting the law dictate how you love God and love other people. Jesus says you need to look at the law through the lens of loving God and loving your neighbor. He makes it very clear that the most important duties of being a follower of God is to love, and that's through doing justice, caring about mercy, and sharing faith. And this, this combination sounded a lot like God's word through the prophet of Micah to Israel. In chapter six of Micah, it says, he has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. To do justice, love kindness. Other translations say mercy, to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. Walking humbly with God. I feel like walking humbly with God means that we recognize who we are in relation to God. I think it means being our authentic selves before God. I think it means extending grace to others. I think it means not pretending. So it sounds like walking humbly, having humility is the opposite 
of having hypocrisy. So that question of why are there, why is there hypocrisy in the church? Well, I think it's because the church is made up of people like me and you who don't always walk so humbly with God. We don't always show up to God as our authentic selves or our community as our authentic selves. We, don't, we sometimes deem ourselves gatekeepers of God's grace, that we sometimes get hung up on a few Bible verses and forget what the whole of Scripture says. But before you go punishing yourself and finding a new church and saying, I'm never going to listen to Gracie again. I don't want to come when she's here. Um, I just want to remind you that God calls us, God calls the church to be the messengers of God's gospel, of the good news of God's love and forgiveness. God calls us, the church, to do that. And God knows that we're not perfect. Actually, I think that's kind of part of the good news, right? <laughs> Is that we're not perfect. And that's still our task. That's still what God calls us to do. That we get to participate in sharing, in giving out God's love and grace when we ourselves are, still, are not deserving. That's the good news. We get to participate in that. God doesn't expect us to be perfect. But I think God does expect us to have some humility. We are part of the problem. And people say, you can be part of the problem or part of the solution. I think Jesus says we can be both. <laughs> we can be both part of the problem and the solution. But it requires humility. As the church, we are called to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world. And our authentic selves testify to God's good news of redemption. Extending grace to others testifies to the good news of God's grace. Seeking justice testifies to the good news that God looks out for the vulnerable. And none of those things require us to be perfect. None of those things require us to pretend to be better than we are. But somehow we get twisted in our heads that we somehow, we need to be good for God. We need to pretend somehow to show God that we are better than we are, which often leads us to pretending to be people that we're not. And that's just not what God requires of us. Micah told us what God requires of us, to do justice to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. 
As long as there are people in the church, as long as the church is made up of people, there will be hypocrisy in the church. But as messengers of God's good news, as people who accept and extend God's grace, the church should be a place where healing takes place. The church should be a safe place. And it's not that we tolerate or encourage hypocrisy, but that there's grace for it, just like there's grace for everything else. And just like anything else, the hope and goal is that we grow to be more like God. We grow in doing justice and in seeking mercy and in walking humbly with God. As recovering hypocrites, our best antidote is humility. And Jesus actually tells us this in that same passage of the woes to the Pharisees in chapter 23. He says, the greatest among you will be your servant. All those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And all who humble themselves will be exalted. It's in our humility, Jesus says, that we are exalted. Humility takes care of hypocrisy, but humility is hard. I don't know if you've ever had to do it, but it's hard. And as somebody who is always right, it is really hard to take on the air that I might be wrong, uh, to take that position and put myself in that position just because it happens so rarely. So I, it's just really hard. It can be really hard to look at ourselves in the mirror and admit where we might be part of the problem. It's hard for me to look in the mirror and accept my actions and say, realize oh, I am a hypocrite. And it feels really terrible for that split second before I remember, oh, but God is grace. God is grace for me. God loves me. Because our hypocrisy, our mistakes, they don't rule us out from being loved by God. They don't rule us out from being used by God. This is a safe space, right? Should be. So if this is a safe space, if the church is a safe space, then we can take on an air, a position of humility when we come here. The church should be a place where we can let go of anything that we're pretending to be. We can hold up the mirror to ourselves in the church and say, it's okay that I'm part of the problem. I'll just need help to do better tomorrow. We can accept in that same sentence, recognize that we are part of the problem, that we have some hypocrisy in us, but in the same sentence say, and God loves me, and God has grace for me. That's what the church 
is. The church is a safe space for hypocrites. Will you pray with me? Loving God, it can be really hard to admit where where we may have placed undue burdens on other people, where we, not, where we may have not extended your grace, where we may have pretended to be somebody that we're not, God, we are all guilty of it. But God, you love us. God, would you comfort us as we accept our role, comfort us that we are beloved and that you call us to great things. That we are not excluded from your grace and mercy. God, it is hard for us to swallow, but help us to remember the weightier matters, the things that really matter to you, justice and mercy and faith. God, as we go forward, help us to take on the air of humility. Remind us who we are and who we belong to. Loving name we pray. Amen.